This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, this is Gary Graham, Ambassadors of All in Star Trek. You're listening to Warp 5. How we doing, Trip? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5. I'm your host, Brandon Shea And today we are having movie night. Woo! Woo! Who brought the popcorn? Nobody. Okay, I so we don't woo. have any popcorn. Okay, I, yeah, I got... Nobody brought the popcorn. I, I went over this on, on the edge. I don't like popcorn. He doesn't like popcorn. Oh, I got goobers. What? I got goobers. I don't even want to know what's wrong with Goobers. Anyways, well, I've got my root beer, so I'm fine with that. Uh, Tonight on Warp 5, we are going to be talking about the next installment of our movie night, and it is The Day the Earth Stood Still from 1951, directed by Robert Wise, who directed Star Trek The Motion Picture, believe it or not. So that's kind of an interesting little connection. And we have a very special guest. Well, I guess I should introduce myself. My name's Brandon Shamatella. We've got our regular co-hosts of Patrick Clatu Devlin. <laughs> How are you? Good. I'm doing awesome. Nice. Joining us as well is Brandy Gort Jackala. Oh, yeah. I wanted Gort. I wanted it. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. And joining us is Michael Carpenter Schindler. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. I'm really glad you could join us. We were hoping to get John Mills to join us as well, but Monday night's your guys' busy night, and uh, you know he's got kids, and so it's a little bit, little bit too early for him. But we're going to get him on hopefully another time in the future here. Uh, but we couldn't do it without at least one of the people from the currently running Stage Nine, which is still running with new episodes on Trek FM, right? Don't confuse people. Okay, there's no more episodes, and I'm very sad. Sorry. Yeah, me too. I love Stage Nine. <laughs> but we have Mike here to discuss The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is a lot of fun. Uh, now, the episode that this appeared in is called The Catwalk from Season 2. and Well, it didn't actually appear in the episode. They just talk about it. Uh, but this is the episode where there's some crazy space storm, and they have to hide in the warp nacelles. Uh, and they have to stay there for like eight days. And while they're up there, they talk about still having movie night, and they mention having the day the earth stood still and Hoshi gets really mad because she says who's picking these garbage movies 
<laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. And I don't know, I don't think this is a garbage movie, but we're going to get into the discussion right away. Um, so the first thing I'm going to start with for the episode is talking about the movie itself and finding out, is this everybody's first time that they've seen it or have they seen it before? Mike, let's start with you. I've seen it before, um, only once uh, a number of years ago. I don't particularly remember the exact circumstances under which I watched it, but uh, I, I have seen it before. Are you a fan of B's science fiction movies from the 50s and stuff like that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's a lot of garbage out there, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of all science fiction time periods, I guess. And this one, you know, I mean, I, I think it's, it's interesting, noteworthy, that a couple of years ago when NASA was putting together their list of the most plausible science fiction movies of all time, this ended up on the list of, like, okay. top seven or something like that. So, oh, wow. So that's kind of interesting. You know. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't heard about that. I didn't know that they would have invented a list like that. But oh yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, they don't. It's not like they're doing anything else these days, right? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, Robertson, it's a. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> it's it's a really interesting list. Hey, it's not their fault. I don't blame NASA at all for that. You know, I'm sure they're they're ready to go. But you know, you got some free time on your hands. Make a list of the most plausible and the least plausible sci-fi films of all time, and it's fascinating. Um. But yeah, both of them, both of those lists are fascinating. But Daily Earth Stood Still, that's that's on the most plausible list. So, yeah. yeah excellent. Right on. Do you know what the number one is? Yeah, it's, uh, well, see, this is the thing. It's Gattaca, although I have a feeling that if the list were to be made today, it would be Interstellar. Just by yeah. listening to, like, what, you know, a lot of people at NASA and other, like, you know, scientists have to say, it sounds like Interstellar is extremely extremely plausible but Gattaca is number one on the list as as is yeah Gattaca is a pretty darn good movie yeah it is what about Annihilation you think that'd make the list Annihilation I don't know I I, I haven't seen it yet oh dude you gotta see it I know I know so I gotta good. see it so good uh, yeah. Patrick have you seen this movie yet Day of the Earth is still or, sorry before is what I mean have you seen it prior to this no no this is the, this is the first time uh, but I did watch it twice oh nice um so that should count for something, right? So you liked it? But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um I have a little weird views on it, but I liked it Excellent. for the most part. I thought it was a good movie. Uh I do happen to like, you know, old sci-fi, so mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't bad. It was good. I liked it. Brandy, what do you think? Was this the first time you saw it? Oh, heavens no. I've probably seen it over the course of my life, probably about 10 or 12 times. Um, oh, wow. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. And we, that was, that was my thing. It's like Saturdays were Godzilla and B science fiction movies and made for, you know, made palatable for television horror movies, <laughs> like the foul of the house of Usher and the legend of hell house. That was my childhood right there. So yeah, this was a natural fit. And I remembered it very well when I was a kid. It's, it's interesting watching it as an adult because I take different things away from it than I did when I was a kid. Yeah. I've seen this movie, I think probably four times, four or five times now, because I had it on DVD and when the remake came out, it actually came out with a three disc Blu-ray where oh. one of the Blu-rays was, was this. So was the original. So I've got a nice 
1080p version of it and it looks really really good and i watched them with aubrey and aubrey hadn't seen them before this is the first time she'd seen them for listeners that that know me uh aubrey she's seven now and and i've been having a lot of fun watching a lot of these shows and episodes of shows that i'm following along with podcasts i'm watching them with her and it's been it's been a lot of fun um so we're gonna start with this uh this concept of we've got this alien who's come to earth and the big discussion in this movie is is this alien is is he evil or is he friendly they don't know he gets shot right in the beginning as soon as he lands on the planet and you know they send him to hospital and they lock him in the hospital and i mean do you guys sense any kind of parallels that are going on in the world right now with this this fear of this outsider coming in Brandy's smiling. I think she might uh, sense something there. I, I, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. What? <laughs> I don't have any clue. I yeah, wasn't no, smiling. totally. I mean, it, it's it, and it speaks to sort of like the timeliness of these of these concepts and everything. You know, I mean, it's it's sad that a movie like this is evergreen because you know, much like Star Trek, this movie is you know supposed to be a cautionary tale, and uh, you know. We haven't learned anything over the past, you know, 60-something years. So, yeah, definitely it does. It does totally apply to today. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously we have uh, things going on that that they tried to warn us about, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago not to do. Um, they were trying to keep us uh, from ever repeating. I mean, it was really, re- they didn't want you to repeat the mistakes of World War II, right? That's where these these types of stories came from in the first place. That they didn't want to skate, they didn't want you scapegoating people and stuff like that, and um, that's kind of how this was turning out. But uh, I also think at points he 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 was a bully. Glad too. I mean, yeah, he he was a bully. He was telling them, "Look, you can either join us, or we're going to annihilate your planet." Right. Mm-hmm. So he, he's not all without. He's not without sin himself either. Mm-hmm. See the the interesting thing about this, and I was trying to watch it from this this point of view, and I couldn't see a parallel. And you know, for the fact that his name was Carpenter, I was this time watching it as the like it's the first time I've watched it since I've become a Christian, and I'm like I'm looking for some kind of Jesus parable for this guy, and I don't know, I couldn't find it. Maybe I, I don't know. Like, did you? I wanted to find something like that as soon as the guy revealed his name to be Carpenter. And you know, I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's nothing there. Maybe there is something there, and I didn't see it. What do you guys think? Is there anything there? I mean, I'm not super up on my Christianity these days, but I guess you know, thinking about it, like the parallel, I guess that I I would see would be, um, a being from you know a a godlike. Uh, society in a sense right is comes down to earth you know he's an outsider and he's here to save humanity right mm-hmm. i mean that's that's all i got sure well, that works you, for me yeah no but you also have i mean you have the, the the plagues of the bible you know which is kind of where he's headed with the uh you know we'll turn your your world into a cinder mm-hmm. um if you don't if you don't act right so you you have that but i'm not really very religious either so you're probably asking the wrong person yeah brandy did you see anything there i hadn't ever really thought about it uh i was born into religion and spent a lot of time in that religion which was christianity 
for, oh, probably way longer than I should have. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it, it, I never really thought about it that way. And I guess you could see it that way. But I never, I just thought Carpenter, Klaatu, you know, they're both cuh sounds. That's the only correlation that I had made. Yeah. Or maybe he saw something on a billboard. He's like, okay, that's going to be my name. I don't know. It, I, I just never went down that path. It never mm -hmm. clicked in my brain in that way. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, there might not be anything there. I just, as soon as I heard that name, I'm like, I don't know, because it, Jesus was a carpenter, it, right? It but... seems like it was intentional. Mm -hmm. I, I I mean, I would have never thought about that if you hadn't said it, but, you know, now just thinking about it, like, it seems like it had to have been intentional, you know? Right. But, yeah, I just can't quite see something there. Like, I mean, I catch what you saw where he's trying to save humanity, but I'm like, he's also not because he's he, he's come to warn us. So the big the big reason why these aliens have come here is he's a messenger saying, look, you guys have nuclear weapons. I want to talk to your your world leaders and tell you guys you got to stop with the weapons. Otherwise, we're going to destroy your planet. And they won't they won't take him to the leaders of the world. Um, because they're not quite certain what he's doing. He doesn't really tell them that that's why he's there at that point. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping ahead. I apologize. He says, I want to talk to your world leaders, and they kind of deny him access to the world leaders. He, he knows about the UN, and he wants to go to the United Nations to talk to as many of the world leaders as he can. Um, in the end of the movie, we find out why he wants to talk to them. It's because of Earth has developed nuclear weapons technology, and they're worried that it's going to leak out into space and start destroying things in space, and they're going to turn it into, like, space battles and stuff. So he, you know, so he, that's not quite a Jesus comparison because that's not, Jesus was there, it was unconditional, and this is, there are conditions, right, for saving you. So that's why I didn't quite see it there. Yeah, but there are, I mean, like, even what you're saying now, there are, you know, parallels there, which which I, I think you just kind of pointed out like you know jesus was someone who you know the mainstream didn't really uh you know get behind and a lot of people doubted that he was who he said he was and it seems like a lot of that was going on with this too i mean yeah they knew that he was from space but like they didn't really take him seriously they didn't really think that you know he held the key to humanity's survival and i think you know perhaps what the movie is is also saying is like you know we we didn't take his message seriously either because we're still killing people you know what i mean mm -hmm. so, um. Randy? well you know i just had to find out so i went to wikipedia and this is what happened um in a 1995 interview, producer Julian Blaustein explained that Joseph Breen, the film censor installed by the MPAA at 20th Century Fox, balked at the portrayal of Klaatu's resurrection and limitless power. At the behest of the MPAA, a line was inserted into the film when Helen asks Klaatu whether Gort has unlimited power over life and death. Klaatu explains that Gort has only revived him temporarily and, quote, that power is reserved to to the Almighty Spirit, end quote. Of the elements that he added to Klaatu's character, screenwriter Edmund Norse said, it was my private little joke. I never discussed this angle with Blaustein or Wise because I didn't want it expressed. I had originally hoped that the Christ comparison would be subliminal. So it is definitely a Christ comparison. Okay, cool. So that's interesting that it is there. I mean, I guess I just didn't, I don't know, I couldn't quite see it there, but probably because it was hidden within the that there was conditions attached right and 
I mean, I thought it was really interesting where at the end he he they do mention the Almighty, and they're like, "That is the power for that." I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting. These aliens worship a god." Okay, so that's kind of an interesting thing for. But I assume that's just like I don't know 1950s values and stuff, and and it's a little bit different than it is now, I think. But yeah, but it's it's actually when you start linking it all together, it becomes very obvious because when Klaatu um, escapes from the hospital, he steals the the clothing. Uh, from Major Carpenter, which is why he calls himself Carpenter. And then he says his first name is John, Jesus Christ, John Carpenter, JC's. Um, and John and was his a name disciple. Is John Carpenter? Oh yeah. my God. I, I never made that connection. Whoa. <laughs> but his, his previous. He's made some really good movies. Because. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Just jumped up a few pegs. <laughs> Halloween was awesome. <laughs> But Vampires was better, is that right? Vampires is much better, yes. Vampires is better than all of them. (laughs) Not Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, though. No, no. Or Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter wasn't good either. I think Brandy just quit. (laughs) Sorry. You're the one who brought up John Carpenter. How are we not going to talk about John Carpenter? (laughs) I was going to say it if my kid... Sorry, I got. I just got really no, no. excited. No, no, and and that's not the best movie. It's the thing. Anyway, <sighs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> you ain't gonna beat the thing, man. So here's the rails. Here are we. Yep. The rails here. I, I. It was my fault. I went to Wikipedia, guys. I'm so sorry. I need to no, stop. No, it's okay. Any excuse to talk me? about John and Carpenter is a good one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about it, though, John Carpenter made The Thing, which was based on a short story of which they made a 50s B science fiction movie. That's true. I mean, he, uh-huh. he must have been a fan of Day the Earth Stood Still, right? I'm right? sure he would have. What if John Carpenter's a stage name? Yeah. It could be. <laughs> hey, what if he's really Jesus Christ? Well, I think that's a given, right? I mean, come on. Have you seen Escape from New York? Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's the second best right there, Escape from New York. And then Enterprise had an episode of Carpenter Street, which just keeps going back to him as well. Mm-hmm. So this all goes full circle mm-hmm. here. It does. Full circle. John Carpenter All right, I contributed is... this week. See you later, guys. He's, he's the big JC. We didn't know until now. Guys, we have done something spectacular tonight. Wow. We've got the answer to life. Yep. And it wasn't 42. It was not 42. 42. It was John Carpenter. It is John Carpenter. It is 42. You somehow multiply, add, and divide his letters, you get 42. Stop it. Okay, let's bring this train back on the tracks. Because you know I will do it. Okay. Okay, so uh, now that we've got this comparison here. So um, Mr. Carpenter decides to leave his ship after, or sorry, leave the hospital, and he, he gets a room in this boarding house. And uh, he he decides to live there, and while he's trying to find the most brilliant minds that he can talk to, because he still wants to talk to people and let them know what's going on, and he meets this woman and this little boy, and you know he develops this attachment with this little boy, and he goes around uh, Washington, which is where this takes place, Washington D.C., and he sees some of the monuments. He goes to the Lincoln Monument, and and he and he reads some words that are on there, and he says these are very good words, and this is a very smart man, and he starts to realize that humanity might have some potential when he sees this, and so you guys, do you think Abraham Lincoln is a good benchmark to say that humanity has some potential? 
Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I agree. Yes. I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, was, no, there, I, I think, was it ever in question? Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, no, I guess not. I don't know. I'm just trying to advance the discussion here. So. No, not at all. No, no one would say that. Um, Stupid Abraham Lincoln. No, I think it was, I think it was awesome. I, I like the way they did it, too, because he reads his words, and he goes, oh, that was a great man. I want to meet great men. And um and they when he they eventually get around to the fact that he really meant smart the smartest men, mm-hmm. um so he ends up wanting to meet the the scientist that he ends up fixing the equation for but um what I what I found interesting and actually I didn't think of this until thirty seconds ago um he he befriends basically a little boy who brings him around to to find these things to get these answers which is probably another parallel to to Jesus because Jesus would talk to the people most people would ignore. Mm-hmm. Throughout the Bible, and most people would just ignore a child; they wouldn't care what his opinion was and who he thought was the smartest or anything like that. Well, even this movie, his mom is ignoring him, right? Correct. When he says he's the alien, she says, "Oh, you're dreaming." And then they have that really, you know, really. Was it just me that think that line is cheesy when they're like, "Oh, your shoes," you're like you're dreaming? Shoes? Oh, I was about to say it was terrible. You were dreaming. You were dreaming. It wasn't real. It was real. It was real. It was real. And then he goes upstairs, and they're like, "Oh, your feet are wet." Oh, yeah, that's because it was wet on the grass when I was outside chasing the alien. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and and somehow you didn't notice wet shoes trampsing through the rest of the house because <laughs> the grass was wet. Um, he's also got this protector. The alien Klaatu also has this protector, Gort, which is this giant robot, um, who is like his protector, right? And right after... He's a giant jerk. He's a giant jerk. He's a giant jerk. Why? He shows very early in the movie he can disarm people without killing them and then kills people. But they didn't learn. Totally unnecessary. They didn't learn. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're allowed to shoot up their own planet. Are they? Yeah, he says it at the end. He goes, we don't want to interfere with how you treat each other, but don't bring it out to us. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, to be fair, were they aiming at Gort? They, he could easily disarm them without killing them. Yeah, but he they, already... They were, all, they were all aiming at Gort to start. He got rid of everything. Yeah, yeah. And he's... He, really, I have a problem with this whole thing because we are... This movie even makes us useless in a fight against any of these people and um they're still very much worried about us for some reason well it's because he he, they realize they're not worried about like you know small firearms they're worried about the fact that we've like developed like nuclear power no i understand that but we they could destroy a missile by looking at it and then they can destroy the world i think they're thinking long term you know they're they're trying to 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 nip this in the bud. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, but I, I agree that that it is kind of mean to kill people if you don't have to. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys are only doing their job, right? It's not like they're there's some random people running through the streets firing guns at a robot. But I think that's part of the story is the mistrust that human humans do have and what humanity has for for the outsiders. And I mean, I think that that shows that it leads to a lot of miscommunication this mistrust because the the initial reaction is one of fear and disbelief and they react with an aggressive stance rather than open arms you know and i mean the one thing that i that i watch when i question when i see this movie that i question is um like why does humanity have this innate fear of the outsiders 
You know, it's something that's always, it's always followed humanity. And why do we have that fear? Because, you know, when we're children, you know, we're able to just reach out and become friends with anybody. And I watch my daughters do this. You know, they can lead up to anywhere. And I did this when I was a kid. You know, you go up to somebody like, will you be my friend? And when we get older, at some point in our life, we lose that. And I want to know, I want to know why does that happen? Why do we lose that? Why can't we just walk up to somebody and say, will you be my friend when you don't know them? Why do we start from this mistrust and this fear? Because yeah, it's evolutionary. <laughs> but no, it's, it's evolutionary because tribes would protect themselves from other tribes. And then, you know, you, you protect the people you knew, the people you grew up with, and they would do the same. But now you were competing over the same resources which became a problem Mm -hmm. and that just got carried over and carried over and carried over and now we're where we're at it's not a biological thing so that's why children don't have it but you teach them don't talk to strangers because you don't want them to get kidnapped right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah true i mean but i think that's probably i mean the question that you're asking i I think is you know kind of the question that the movie's asking too right Mm -hmm. you know i i do think that that's part of the point of the movie is that's the question that it's asking Mm -hmm. you know i mean we're at a point where we're about to destroy our planet and you know this almighty alien being comes down and the first thing that somebody does is shoot him you know as soon as he walks off a ship you know so brandy you were gonna say something i was going to say many things um i think definitely that it is a societal norm to teach people to be afraid of whatever is not like them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we still do that because it causes nothing but trouble. Yes, it's it makes sense to not talk to strangers when you're a child. And yes, if you are a trusting person and open your heart, you will get hurt at some point, probably more than once. I know that for a fact. But that shouldn't make you close down. It should make you instead willing to seek out those people who will accept when you just go up to them and say, will you be my friend? And if we as a society, if we as a world could rediscover that, imagine how different this planet could be. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he wants he he's come to us and said, "Look, I'm going to destroy this planet if you guys don't tone it down a bit cuz like the violence is getting out of hand." And it's it's something that hasn't stopped. You know, like our planet continually develops weapons. You know, there's more wars happening all the time. And you know, it's like it is frightening. I mean, like, you know, that thing that happened a little while ago in Hawaii where where we had that false missile alarm in Hawaii is like, I couldn't imagine that frightening experience. Now I have a friend here in Canada who was in Hawaii at the time on vacation. And he's like, his phone was going off crazy. Right. And he's like, looked at his phone, his mom's phone went off. He's like, what's going on? He's like, I looked outside my apartment and some guy's cleaning his barbecue. So I'm like, well, there must be nothing wrong. So we went back to bed. Right. And I'm like, so I was talking with him after he came back and I'm asking him about this. And I'm like, well, I, but what could you have done? Right. And my, you know, my wife was very frightened when this happened as well. I mean, because it's a scary, it's a scary thing that could have happened. It didn't happen, but it could have. 
But I asked her, I said, what could happen? I mean, like, if somebody dropped a bomb on Hawaii, there's nothing that you can do. There's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere you can be safe. I can tell you what Alani did, the hotel there. They brought everyone out into the yard mm-hmm. and had them play. Had them stand on the grass. That's what they did? Yeah, I swear. It sounds completely counterproductive, right? Go stand outside where the bomb is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, would you rather have a building Alani collapse did. on you? I don't know. I would hope it's a volcanic volcanic area. There's a strong basement somewhere. I, yeah, I'm not. I don't even. I don't know where I want to go with that point. I'm just. I'm kind of um, rambling in that. Like it's about weapons and destruction. No, but I and think we still are there. And yeah, but I think I think that's one of the things this movie does poorly, though, is that it it it's obvious that's what they're going for, right? But he keeps making the point. He says it two or three times that he doesn't care what happens on the planet. As if to say, well, I know you guys are going to keep killing each other. Just don't bring it, don't bring it out here, and we don't care. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's part of the problem too, right? Like, people always want to not care about what's going on. There's like a hundred and I just saw the stat, hundred and thirty six active war zones in the world right now, and most people don't know anything about any of them, mm-hmm. and they don't care about any of them, even if you're not in one. And that's part of the problem, right? I I think. Th- I don't know. I, I, the impression that I got from that in terms of like why that would be in the movie is in a sense to signal how insignificant we are, you know, in the grand scheme of things. And the fact that, you know, cosmically speaking, if we do wipe ourselves off the face of the earth, it's going to be a blip in terms of history, right? So... I think what 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 that was trying to say was, you know, we see ourselves as this massive, you know, um, existence, uh, you know, with 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 all sorts of like you know various uh, people who are in conflict, who are other, right? But in the grand scheme of things, we are all in this together. You know, it is one world, and we need to, you know. Uh, come together, much like on in Star Trek, right? In order to um, survive, because you know we're, we're we're all anybody has, and if we don't do that, there isn't going to be anyone else looking out for us and all that stuff, you know. So, I mean, whether or not, I mean, you could look at their motives or whatever, but I guess just thematically speaking for the movie, I think the reason why they did that was a, as sort of a wake up call to everyone watching to say like you're nothing <laughs> you know you better get your act together or else uh, you're you're literally going to be nothing you know i don't know no it, that that sounds right i just i just think the way they they harped on it so many times just kind of did the whole point a disservice mm-hmm. in the long run you know if they said it once or twice that that's fine but he made such a point of it that it was almost like i don't know it was almost like Basically saying, like, okay, uh, United States, we don't care if you have civil wars. That's fine, as long as you don't have a world war again. You know, like, it just seemed a little weird. Or North America, we don't care if you guys go to war with each other. Just don't come on this side of the ocean. Yeah, I guess it's all a matter of perspective. And and, and I think in in that particular case, I mean, like, I see what you're saying, but I don't think that that's what they were like going for with that i think they were trying to to make us look at it sort of from the opposite side of that you know 
Yeah, I think I, I agree with Mike's point on it and that it's it was meant to make us feel insignificant and that, look, we understand you think you're important, but you're not. So you can kill yourselves, that's fine. But it's just that we're here to warn you because you guys are starting to, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Encroach on the galaxy? Is that the right pronunciation of that word? Yeah. Encroach yeah. on the galaxy? Yeah, we're getting close at least. Yeah. You know. Ironically, we didn't go into space yet for another, that was the 51. Has anybody seen the remake? I have. Yeah. Recently, I did, but yes, I saw it uh, about a month and a half ago. Yeah, Mike, you've seen it. I saw it when it came out. I haven't seen it since. Actually, I saw it twice when it came out, and I haven't seen it since. Yeah. yeah. Patrick, have you seen the remake? I did, but right when it came yeah. out. Yeah. So we watched. My daughter and I watched the remake as well. And in the remake, it's more about pollution and environmentalism in that movie than it is about war. And Klaatu comes to the planet, and their goal is to simply wipe out humanity. And he says in the movie that um, the humans can't survive without the Earth, but the Earth can survive without humanity. And And planets that you can populate are so rare in the galaxy that these aliens can't let humans destroy this planet. So they're going to completely wipe out humanity so that the planet can survive and start again. And there's a, there's another biblical parallel in that movie in that they take away, you know, uh, animals and beings on the planet in arcs. They take them off the planet because then they're going to wipe out the planet, right? And then they can repopulate it afterwards. But, you know, it's a similar thing. And it's a little bit more modernized. But in that one, they take a little bit more harsh of approach in that his intention when he gets there is to wipe them out. And in the original, he's there to warn them. And he's not necessarily going to destroy them if they listen to him, right? But of course, nobody wants to listen to him. So he meets these scientists, He meet, or this one scientist. They have a dialogue. They have a communication. And the guy says, look, we need a chance. And we need some kind of demonstration to show the power that you have and how serious you are. But it needs to be something that's not going to hurt people or cause damage. So his solution is shutting off power across the planet, except for important things like planes that are in the air and hospitals and stuff like that. So the entire world is shut down. That's how the title of the day there still happens. And it's a pretty effective display and it shows what the aliens can do. And uh, I mean, with this being a movie world, I mean, do you think that that would have had the effect, the intended effect, or do you think that if we had the day the earth stood still part two, you know, he would have, they would have just had to come back and try it all over again. Do you think they would have learned from that lesson or do you think that they humanity just would have continued on the way that they were? I would you mean in reality, in reality, they in would the have movie. just continued in the movie. One yeah. would hope that they would see the error of their ways in reality. Nah, they're just going to, mm-hmm go oh well we're fine that guy will probably never come back let's just keep doing what our what we're doing because we can't possibly make peace with everyone that's not possible yeah i mean in reality we can't we don't have people looking at the same data and coming up with the same conclusions as is i don't no one's going to listen to a being from another planet even one with a robot that's invincible that was uh, a police force of an interplanetary organization no they don't care they don't care Mm -hmm. because people will find a way to justify their actions no matter what yeah i agree Mm -hmm. you know i watch i watch a movie like this and i don't know if i'm getting pessimistic as i get older but you 
what's the purpose of creating a movie that has such a blatant and important message when as it's not going to change anything like it's at the end of the day it just boils down to a movie and you know like here we are wow this is important we really need to stop this but you know what it's not going to stop anything because you know what it's just a movie i don't know if that's necessarily fully true um i don't you're never going to change everybody but if you change a few people and then another movie comes out and changes a few people, you can get movements that maybe people don't necessarily realize started because of those movies and, and, and music and other, you know, media sources through time that, that grow and snowball into something. I mean, to use a, a pretty clear example here, you know, it, 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 you know like you're saying, there, there's no way that, that, that you can change everybody's mind, but you can change some people's minds. And, you know, one of the things which I, I find awesome and, and fascinating about uh, the home video release of The Day the Earth Stood Still is that um, the audio commentary on the disc is Robert Wise interviewed by Nicholas Meyer, which is sort of great. And the reason for that is because, you know, Nicholas Meyer is a huge fan of The Day the Earth Stood Still. And what movie did Nicholas Meyer make after Star Trek Two? He made The Day After which is a movie about nuclear war. The bombs drop, and we basically see step-by-step step what would happen, you know, real-time almost. And that movie had a huge impact, so much so that, you know, policy was changed, you know? I mean, politicians watched that movie and, you know, put new laws or whatever into effect you know in an effort to to stop this from happening so there and and i've got to think that you know the day the earth stood still was in some way an influence on meyer when he was making that movie and um so i mean there i mean that's just kind of you know an example of that where it actually can happen but i mean i think sometimes Starting the conversation is enough, right? I mean, as as artists, you know, you, you hope to 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 you know get people to see things differently, to 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 make change, and you know, science fiction is is a wonderful way of doing that. That's what what Star Trek has always tried to do, and I I can definitely see even if you know, like you're saying, it's just influencing other artists to continue their work but I, I think it does go further than that and i think that this movie has had an impact i mean we, we talked about you know nasa you know putting it on on its list of you know most plausible movies i mean th this type of thing just the idea that something else is out there probably inspired a lot of people to pursue careers in science and everything and those are the type of people you know as this movie demonstrates that can make change right Maybe more so than politicians or 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 whoever, and yeah. So I mean, maybe it will have no impact. I mean, did the remake of the Day the Earth Stood Still have that impact? Probably not. But I don't think so. You got to try, right? So, hey. But I mean, that's because Keanu Reeves is like a, a wooden puppet. Don't talk 
crap about Keanu Reeves. He's the best. I have to agree. Don't talk crap about Keanu Reeves. He was oh, purposely definitely, being definitely on Brandon's wooden. Side. He was a freaking <laughs> alien, yeah. okay? And he was no, very good at no. seeming like he did not belong mm-hmm. to this he planet. So he was so dry in that movie. If I rubbed my fingers together, they would have got fire. I think that's the point, <laughs> yeah. right? That's what he exactly. was trying to do. He's well, he's, he's, he's amazing. He went over the top. Agree. Oh, no, I know. I mean, haven't you guys seen Speed? <laughs> no. <laughs> or the no, but I've seen I've seen John Wick one and two. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, mm-hmm. be so oh, good. Boy, the first the and, I haven't seen John Wick. I've so, seen Speed. Oh. Well, and besides Speed that, all terrible. the stories about him. There's terrible. nobody that has anything bad to say about that man. Nobody. He made he made a documentary about the difference between film and digital production. Because why not? Why wouldn't you? You know? Because he can. Because oh. he can. Because he's Keanu Reeves. He can do what he wants. He's he Keanu Reeves. Wants. I still don't. He's the best. Still don't like him. Still don't like him. See why I get kicked off shows a lot. <laughs> well, I'm the one who started it. I said I didn't like. Yeah, him. well, I, but they don't kick you off. You, you got to do something worse. <laughs> You've been around a while. <laughs> You got You're usually the one firing me, it, so I agreed with you this time. So you're not. It's gonna. okay, Patrick. No one says you can't be wrong. It's it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fact. Oh man, he was he's terrible. Um, back back to the point though. Um, of uh, uh, affecting people in a way. Other movies have affected change in in the world. I mean, not always for good either. The the guy who wrote the book that Jaws was based off regrets ever writing it because they've since that movie they've hunted great whites almost to extinction it's because people started to fear them because of the books started to fear them more mm-hmm. so it does work it's just uh, maybe not always the, the way you want it to you know yeah yes i don't know like it's just it feels like I'm, those are great both of those like michael and uh, patrick bringing up those two examples those are good examples of showing where changes occurred but it, it almost it doesn't feel like it because there's still so much going on, you know, and yes, but it's gone a long way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was a lot larger stockades of nuclear weapons, you know, post uh, World War II, uh, 1960s probably, but 70s, and then they started coming down. I mean, they're not gone; they're never going to be gone. You're not going to get rid of them all, but but it has come come back to the pack a bit, or at least it's slowed in how much they were making them mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. Should we wrap it up with our final thoughts? Sure. We've kind of gone all over. I mean, like, I, I, I don't like to plan my podcasts ahead of time because I like to I like to have them kind of flow. And I don't if I plan them out, I don't really know where they're going to take them. And I find that our our discussions are much more interesting when we when we take a more fluid approach while we're talking about the movies because somebody says one thing and it can spark an idea. And those are the kind of discussions that I like to have rather than a little more structured. And this is not the conversation that I expected to have when we jumped into this movie. But, you know, let's grab you guys' final thoughts. Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, On the whole, I think it's a pretty good movie. I'm not over the moon in love with this thing by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I don't think that it's Robert Wise's best movie. I don't... Well, I don't know if it's one of the most plausible. I'll, I'll defer to NASA's better judgment on whether or not it's one of the most plausible science fiction movies of all time, but I don't think it's one of the best. Um, but I, I do think that it is really good. Uh, I think that um, you know it, it holds up in terms of its themes and everything like that, and um, I would definitely recommend it. 
even if even if it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Randy, what are your final thoughts? Um, I grew up watching this movie, so it's just kind of always been a part of my life. But watching it as an adult uh, has made it very interesting because I, you know, it is a very bully-like statement at the end. You know, join us and live in peace, or pursue your present course and face annihilation. Basically, those are your two choices. And uh, and to be fair, Gort didn't become violent until Klaatu was killed. And then it was like, he's like, oh, screw this. It's on now. So, uh, no, he's a robot. He wasn't doing that. <laughs> that's just, that's what I imagine in my head canon. Um, I think that the message is so blatant because that's what people need to hear. They need blatancy because... If they don't get it shoved right in their face, they're not going to pay attention to it. And, you know, this movie kind of just really shoves it in your face and says, here, this is your future. And look around at what we have wrought over the last 60 odd years. So maybe Klaatu was right. But I don't think he's going to come back and annihilate us. Oh, it wouldn't be him. It would be Gort and his robot friends. They're the police force. They'd annihilate us. Yeah. But I, I enjoy this movie. It is something that I watch from time to time. And um, it, I probably will always enjoy this movie. It's just, you know, it reminds me of my childhood. And that's never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Patrick, I don't really care about your final thoughts. My final <laughs> thoughts are... <laughs> wow! <laughs> Isn't the point wow. of this movie that we're supposed to listen to each other? Oh, wow. yeah, that's right. Someone missed the point. Wow. I'm sorry. Well, it affected three out of four. That's pretty good odds. Hey, that's 75%. That is a passing grade. <laughs> Patrick. So we Brandon out now. Patrick, what are your final thoughts? Um, uh, no, I'm kind of on par. I, I like the movie. Um, I, found it, I find it interesting that NASA made it the most plausible, yet when I kind of researched this, there was like a million, uh, you know, laymans that were posting all kinds of things about how inaccurate the movie was and how 250 million miles would put it nowhere. Like, there's no planet 250 million miles, which is actually not true. Mars was once 250 million miles from Earth. Right, but in the 50s, uh, they may not have known that. I mean, have you guys seen Robinson Crusoe on Mars? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this was was advertised as the most scientifically accurate film ever made, and the guy is like... Burning rocks in order to breathe on the Mars surface. Makes no sense. <laughs> okay, I never saw that. Yeah, but... and there's like flaming walls of fire everywhere oh, on Mars. You, you basically just watch the entire movie like this. What? What? <laughs> the monkey's great, though. The monkey on the Mars monkey's is awesome. really good. Yeah. yeah, the monkey's good, yeah. The star Anyways. of the film. Sorry, Patrick, keep telling us your final thoughts. That's all right. No one cares. Uh, I care. <laughs> so, no, but I, I like the movie. I thought, like, when he gets shot early on, that was such a cheesy scene. I actually went back and watched it, like, four times to see if he had a, a hole before he hits the ground, and he doesn't. He just spins around. They didn't have squibs yet. Yeah, I, I know, but it just, I don't know. It seems really odd. Camera angle should have been better or something. Um, but I, I, overall, I like the movie. I like what it, I like the message. I like the way it presents it. I think it's interesting that they can give him kind of a a good guy, bad guy feel at different points of the movie, and both are really believable mm-hmm. without going too over the top either way that you end up hating him at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, like like in the last movie we watched, I could not like 
any of the characters. Because I just, or at least the two main characters, I couldn't like them because they were so bad at times that even when you were supposed to start liking them, it was just, they were just too far gone for me. And this movie didn't do that until I guess the very end. He's kind of a bully, but uh, we're kind of jerks, so it kind of makes sense. I mean, we did kill him, so he should be a little pissed, right? Yeah. I like this movie. I think it's good. Um, I had fun watching it with Aubrey. I had fun watching the remake right after it. I don't think the remake is anywhere near as good as the original. Um, but it's got its. It does have a unique take, and it does have interesting points. the The remake should not be written off. It's good, uh, but I think the original is a lot better. Um, and I'm really glad that we've discussed it for for Warp Five, and I'm really glad that we talked about it for Movie Night. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying our Movie Nights. Um, I can't wait till we, you know, we got a couple of great ones coming up. We're going to be covering the Frankenstein movies, the original three Frankenstein movies. Yes. Yes. But next, it's going to be a little while before we get to it, but the next movie we're going to be covering, and I'm really hoping, you know, both John and Mike, we can arrange a time to have them both, but we'll definitely have one of them on again. We're going to be talking about Kung Fu. Uh, now if you watched Carpenter Street, which is, or not Carpenter, sorry, uh, the Catwalk, which is with the episode that this was in, at the very end of the Catwalk, they're actually watching a show. And it, I did some research on it, and it turns out that it's actually an episode from season one of the original Kung Fu TV show. And the episode's called The Tide. It's episode seven. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to watch the episode, but we're also going to watch the Kung Fu movie, because I thought that's what it was going to be. And so I've been really excited uh, to watch the Kung Fu movie. And so I convinced my co-hosts to watch both. Uh, you didn't convince us. We happily joined no, in. You okay? I twist, too I twist much arm twisting. You did Mike, not. where can... Uh, where can people find you with new episodes of Stage Nine? You're so <laughs> mean. No, no more episodes of Stage Nine. Sorry, sometimes no! you gotta you gotta let things go. But uh, you can find me on thenerdparty.com doing a show called Great Shock Kid with John. So it's kind of like Stage Nine, just not really talking about Star Trek too much. And if you look next week, next week um, you'll be able to find me somewhere else uh so head on over to twitter and follow me at mumbles 3k and uh check back on uh march 23rd and uh see what's up so mm, nice mm. Excellent. will it be dancing on stages in vegas uh, no spoilers but uh <laughs> you know that wasn't a no <laughs> wasn't a no you didn't <laughs> that wasn't it. a no we shall see <laughs> you guys heard it here first well, talking about uh, aliens destroying our planet is not the only thing we've been discussing about this week here on the network. So take a quick listen to this clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the ready room. I'd like to see a starship where the chief medical officer is a Tellarite oh. <laughs> and see his bedside manner. I'll see, I'll see your, your crappy Lewis Zimmerman hologram <laughs> right. amalgamation and raise you a Tellarite doctor. Yeah. Uh-huh. The 602 Club. This is such an incredible beachhead in terms of what they do with what we've come to expect now with like the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy or resurrecting Peter Cushing. Warp 5. We share about 50% of our DNA with a banana, so I think we're a bit yeah. closer to, to reptiles uh, than 50%, but still. No, you're, I, yeah, I, so what I you're saying is it's possible to have an intelligent banana. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm just and saying I'm 50% that... 50% banana. 
to the journey. Bullions don't have a lot of hair. That we know of. So, I mean, we've never seen a shirtless bullion, have we? Not that I can recall, unless it would be in Sick Bay or something like that, but I can't recall an incident of a shirtless bullion. <laughs> How do you know that they're not hairy chested? I kind of love the idea that, like, from the neck down, they're covered in hair, but they're bald <laughs> on top. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or on the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. The written review is the really important part, guys. It helps people find the podcast. Please do it. If you're not an Apple user, we got you, boo! You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps. And, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. And RSS stands for really super sweet. So super sweet. Yeah. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at check.fm slash contact. Choose send to a show and select warp5. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trekfm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And Brandy, where can people find you when you are not eliminating all the weapons around you with your laser beam eyes? Oh, if only I had that power. Oh, I really want to be Gort. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. That's Brandy with an I. The 12 is a number. And you can also find me in the Babel Conference. I lurk. I like a lot of posts there, and sometimes I even comment. And uh, I do a podcast with my husband called The Dark Corner Podcast, which you can find on strangeanddeadly.com, where we look at the darker side of life and pop culture. And uh, you'll also find me, when new episodes of Discovery are running, you'll find me on Live from the Edge. Um, I'm not even going to bother giving the details for that because it's going to be a long time before we have more of those, uh, January at the earliest and uh, then you never know where else I may pop up. Who knows? Patrick, where can people find you when you're not stealing people's clothes and escaping from hospitals? <laughs> they can find me hanging out in the Babel Conference in that nice suit. And, uh, and they can find me on Twitter at MagicDrop5. That's uh, one word. The five is a number. I'm not nearly as busy as the rest of you, so that's pretty much the only two places you're going to find me. Brandon, where can people find you when you're not running away from your mother with wet sneakers? Uh, why am I running away from my mother? Cause you can find me on Twitter. Because you're a little older. You don't really have to listen like yeah. the child did. Yeah. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella. You can find me here on the network with new episodes of The Edge, which is our Star Trek Discovery podcast, which is now down to every other week. We might sneak in a third episode a month every once in a while, but we're just... We're, we've planned on dropping down to every other week. And 
what else do I got? I think I said Twitter at Brandon Matella. You can find me in the Babel Conference every once in a while. Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> you can find me with my podcast, Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, which I do with my friends Chris and Tom. And we have just released our last episode on the silent films, which is called The Manxman. And it was a really good discussion. It was a really good film, actually. Um, so I definitely check out, I'd recommend checking out the film. Uh, we give our top three silent films by Hitchcock and the Manxman is actually my number two of the, uh, the eight that we've covered so far. So check it out. It's fun. We've got our own independent feed and you can also find us as always in the fandom podcast network master feed. Your number one's downhill, isn't it? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> nope. That's, uh, but not, downhill's not my bottom one either. Oh, wow. There's one that's not as good as downhill. Impressive. Now we have to listen to find mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So, if you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron on the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm. Let's get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It's, it requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. And at this time, we'd like to thank our wonderful patron supporters of Warp 5. These are all our wonderful associate producers who support us as well as the network as a whole. We have Klatu Barata Norman Silau. <laughs> Klatu Barata Floyd Dorsey. Should I do it for all of them? Oh, yeah. You've yes. set a pattern now. You, you, you're committed now. Klatu Barata Mike Morrison. Klatu Barata Tim Cooper. Klatu Barata Justin Ozer. Klatu Barata Mark Flessa. And finally, Klatu Barata Joe Saltzman. So, because the people at home can't see this, you're actually waving your hands <laughs> above your a- head. He's testifying. For each... For each time you did that, which was even better than the words. <laughs> Cut to Barata, thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, oh, that's right, I'm hosting. I guess I better do the outro then. Well, yes. I guess that's all we got tonight. So, live long and Barata on. <laughs> okay, I'm stopping now. It's fine. Three, two, one, recording. 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 One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Atu, Barata. <laughs> Does anybody get it? 
<laughs> yes. Mike got it. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sure Are you sure my gun? I'm confused. <laughs> it, it sounds vaguely Murata. <laughs> it's it's it, I know that's a reference to it, but it's one of those like references to references which happens all the freaking time movies. What's it from? When he's like got to take the book off. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's the thing that I realized about uh, Army of Darkness and um, well, all of those movies recently. They're not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, world. I'm sorry, fandom. I'm sorry, Sam Raimi. I'm sorry, Bruce Campbell. Those movies are not good. 